Protests is sparking China for New Year's, this time over restrictions on how people can celebrate. Funeral homes in Shanghai overwhelmed by China's COVID-19 surge, but some scalpers are profiting off the situation. Despite the virus spread, some Chinese citizens in major cities attempting to return to normalcy. More countries placing restrictions on travelers from China, Beijing issuing a threat towards nations imposing the curbs. And are the U.S. and South Korea holding nuclear talks? Both countries' leaders giving seemingly contradictory answers. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Ellie Hart, in for Tiffany Meyer. One month after the blank paper movement saw protests sparking across China, new demonstrations erupted again in at least three Chinese cities this time during the New Year holiday. Thousands of people were reportedly involved. Monday night, citizens in central China's Henan province destroyed and flipped over a police car. This after police arrested a citizen for setting off fireworks in Zhoukou city. The angry crowd surrounded the vehicle, preventing officers from taking a citizen to a police station. Some protesters smashed the car's windshield and windows. Others climbed onto the car's roof and danced. In the end, they overturned it. At least two people were arrested on site. For years, the Chinese communist regime has banned the use of fireworks across the nation. But some cities have since loosened the rule to allow citizens to fully celebrate the first new year since COVID-19 lockdowns lifted. Though some cities kept the ban in place, the issue came to a head during the protest. In another video clip shared online, one protester is heard saying, quote, People of Shutan City, let's fight. Shutang is another city in Henan province. On New Year's Eve, more than a thousand people gathered in the streets there. They celebrated with fireworks despite a police presence on site. Over in northern China's Shandong province, one car set off fireworks while driving through the area, with a police car on its tail. Another car was stopped by a police officer, but the driver continued setting off fireworks anyway. Another video shows city workers using fire extinguishers to stop citizens from lighting the fireworks. Over in Nanjing City, a crowd of what appeared to be hundreds of people broke down a police blockade. It was set up to surround the statue of Sun Yat-sen, Sun is known as the father of the nation in Taiwan and the forerunner of the revolution in China. That's for his contribution in overthrowing China's last dynasty. He was a promoter of democracy. Elsewhere, a highway in Henan province saw New Year's Day protest. Hundreds of bank fraud victims gathered there to bring attention to the issue and demand their money back. The COVID-19 surge is overwhelming funeral homes in Shanghai, but a small group of people are cashing in on the situation by selling overpriced cremation slots. Here's the report. The last day of 2022, a phrase started trending on Chinese social media platform Weibo. The tag reads, Shanghai police crack down on funeral scalping. According to reports, these scalpers broker funeral services online, but charge an extra service fee of 50% or more. Others cut in line to get open slots, then resell them for hundreds of dollars. As crematoriums in Shanghai run on overload, queues and delays are straining families of the deceased. Many start lining up as early as 3 in the morning. One funeral home says they used to cremate maximum 90 bodies per day. Now that number is more than 400. We called two other funeral homes to ask about appointments. 
We don't accept bodies from outside our district. We can't even handle those in this district. You should come to make an appointment in person, but it's unclear when your appointment can be processed. Take the body here first, then you come and make an appointment for cremation. There is no way to get cremation services today. The bookings are full. It's only available three days from now. Meanwhile, patients are flooding hospitals in Shanghai. Hospitals are full of people. Basically, all available medical equipment is in use, and many people are sleeping on the floor because there are no beds left. According to media outlet The Paper, an official at Shanghai Yuejin Hospital said emergency cases have doubled, now hitting 1,500 cases per day. Of these, 40 to 50 percent are elderly. Another hospital cited long wait times for registration. Certainly, there is a long wait. A lot of people come to the fever clinic 24 hours a day. Similar scenes are playing out in other cities, including Beijing, Wuhan, Nanjing, Chengdu, and Guangzhou. China has only officially acknowledged around a dozen recent COVID-19-related deaths, but according to London-based research firm Airfinity, its cumulative death toll may have reached 160,000 since December 1st. A spike in deaths among senior experts from China's top academic bodies. That's as the CCP virus sweeps across China. The CCP virus causes COVID-19. The most recent number, 24 top experts died in December last year. That's close to the number of experts who died in the entire year of 2021. They come from some of the country's most prestigious academic institutions, such as the Chinese Academy of Sciences and the Chinese Academy of Engineering. Their obituaries didn't mention if these experts died of COVID-19. That's as funeral homes across China are overflowing and infection numbers see a massive surge. Most of these experts are Communist Party members, their ages ranging from 80s to 90s. The youngest is 57, a Chinese biochemist and molecular biologist called Jiang Hualiang. Other examples include professors from Xinhua University, a top school that has educated many of the party's leaders. The CCP virus, which causes COVID-19, is still sweeping through China. Despite the spread, some people in key cities braving a spike in infections. In an attempt to return to normal life, here's what's happening. In Beijing, people gather to sled or ice skate on a frozen lake in the city on Sunday nearly a month after China dropped stringent zero-COVID measures to adopt a strategy of living with the virus. However, a wave of infections has since erupted nationwide. State broadcaster CCTV reported on Monday that frontline medical staff are working around the clock to treat COVID-19 patients. In this hospital in the eastern city of Nanjing, Patients have flooded the intensive care unit, with 80% of its patients aged 65 and over, many of them with underlying health conditions. Many tourist attractions are opening up after shutting last August due to a COVID-19 outbreak. Monday's single new COVID death, flat from the previous day, does not match the experience of other countries after they reopened. China has said it only counts deaths of COVID patients caused by pneumonia and respiratory failure as being related to COVID. The relatively low death count is also inconsistent with rising demand reported by funeral parlors in several cities. According to British-based health data firm Airfinity, 
About 9,000 people are probably dying each day from COVID in China. China arrivals in the UK won't be forced to quarantine if they test positive for COVID-19. British Transport Secretary Mark Harper confirmed this on Tuesday. British media reported that travelers from China will be offered voluntary COVID-19 tests at Heathrow, the only UK airport with direct flights from China. Harper said the testing is about collecting information due to Beijing's refusal to share its own data. The UK will take other precautions as well. From Thursday, passengers flying from China into England will be required to show a negative test result before boarding a plane. The UK government will also carry out surveillance testing of a sample of passengers. It's an attempt to spot new variants of the virus, which could pose a threat. The measures follow Beijing's decision to reopen borders on January 8th. A brief review of countries and regions that are placing new restrictions on travelers from China, the U.S., Canada, Australia, the U.K., Israel and France will require travelers from China to provide negative COVID-19 tests before boarding a plane. Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, Italy, Spain and Qatar have began or will start testing passengers from China upon arrival. Australia, Belgium and Malaysia said they'll test wastewater off planes from China. The U.S. is weighing whether to do the same. And Morocco is taking one step further. It would ban travelers from China, regardless of the nationality. With countries imposing new COVID-19 entry measures on travelers from China, Beijing is denouncing the moves. Officials called the restrictions unreasonable and unscientific on Tuesday. Beijing also vowed to reciprocate corresponding measures on the countries imposing the curbs. The international restrictions on Chinese travelers come as Beijing prepares to reopen its border on January 8th. It's just over a month after China pivoted away from a zero COVID-19 policy. On the other hand, for nearly three years, China's borders have stayed all but shut to foreigners since early 2020. The European Union is offering free COVID-19 vaccines to Beijing to help contain the virus. An EU spokesman said a health commissioner has reached out to her Chinese counterpart. The EU assistance will include public health expertise along with donations of variant-adapted vaccines. As of now, it's unclear which or how many vaccines will be supplied. But Beijing appeared confident in its domestic vaccine rollout, asked whether China would accept the EU offer. A Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson sidestepped a direct reply. She stressed China's vaccination rate and treatment capacity, adding the outbreak is, quote, controllable. According to the World Health Organization, the efficacy of the Chinese-made Sinovac vaccine is only around 50 percent. South Korea reaffirming that it's discussing some form of nuclear cooperation with Washington. That's after Biden denied discussing joint nuclear exercises with South Korea. Biden's remark comes after the South Korean president's statement about nuclear cooperation. He said in an interview on Monday that both countries are discussing potential joint exercises using U.S. nuclear assets. After Biden's remark, a top advisor for South Korea's president published a statement. In it, she said both countries are discussing intel sharing, joint planning and subsequent joint execution plans over the management of U.S. nuclear assets in response to North Korea's nuclear threats. South Korea doesn't have nuclear weapons, but it's under a U.S. protection agreement called the Nuclear Umbrella. It means Washington would use means including nuclear weapons to defend South Korea if needed.
Artificial intelligence is considered the next area the world's superpowers are competing in. Experts believe whoever wins the race will ultimately hold the crown of global power. We sat down with Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, to learn more about China's tactics and how Beijing infiltrated Silicon Valley. It seems a big trend this year has been AI. You see the like magic avatars people are using mm -hmm. that's created by AI or the say the prompts that will write things for you. Where do we see this going and what are maybe the pros and cons? Artificial intelligence or AI is is wonderful and scary. There's a great side to it and there's a very dark side to it. Any type of technology can, can be used for the dark side or to be used as a weapon against your, your enemy. And the Chinese Communist Party certainly does that with us. Um, artificial intelligence also on its own can be very dark. It can, it can destroy itself, it can destroy, destroy its opponent after you let it run for a few days or a few hours and so on. The thing that's the difficulty in that is also uh, quantum computing uh, powers that incredibly. And quantum computing also is a, it's supercomputers on steroids and what that also does, it renders encryption uh, useless, obsolete. It seems when it comes to AI and the quantum computers you mentioned, many experts are saying that's the next race. That's the area countries, superpowers are really going after. Where do you see that going in 2023? It's uh, that's absolutely accurate. That's where the the uh, that's where the battle is moving forward. But don't forget, uh, the Chinese Communist Party will not abandon. Uh, unrestricted hybrid warfare and the other hundred plus methods that they're using. Artificial intelligence and technology is really uh, the area that uh, is a growth area in, in, uh, in business, but also in the military as well. That's a key area that we're all focused on uh, in counterintelligence and in the, uh, the military side. One piece of it is, is, is we we're talking about putting more laws in effect on artificial intelligence, but when your adversary follows no rules and follows no laws, that can be kind of a problem. And incidentally, I need to add that artificial intelligence, all that technology was stolen out of Silicon Valley. In some cases, it was stolen outright, that intellectual property. But in a lot of cases, uh, these, these raw startups in Silicon Valley five and 10 years ago were taking funding from the Chinese Communist Party slash Chinese companies, where they would buy in for 25% or 50% of the company and give them a round of financing, but they wanted access to the technology and access to the intellectual property. So either it was stolen or it was subverted through investments to get that technology. Same thing, you know, there's many, many industries where that's uh, applicable. And to drill this home, uh, uh, photo cells, uh, solar panels were created in Silicon Valley. Now 100% of all solar panels are, are manufactured in China. Now think about what that does to, to the free world. Think about what that does to the United States economy. Coming up, what's the biggest China threat to look out for in 2023? This is World War III. The issue is mainstream media doesn't, doesn't show this to the average American. And so when the average American sees this, they dismiss it as conspiracy theory. But when you see it all day, every day, as I mentioned, it's no longer conspiracy theory. We spoke to Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, to find out how all of this falls under hybrid warfare. Get the details after the break, here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Ellie Hart, in for Tiffany Meyer. With the world entering the new year, what's the biggest China threat to look out for in 2023? How should U.S. policies approach it? And how does all of this fall under hybrid warfare? We sat down with Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, to find out more. Casey, on your note about how the U.S. has a lot of legislation and rules, but the Chinese Communist Party plays by no rules, how do we go about that going forward to protect our own interests while maybe maintaining our law and order? We have to understand as a country, as an average American, as a government, as a military, that we have a full-blown adversary. It's the most aggressive regime in history. Um, and they're following our playbook of, of what the United States did back 70 years ago and how we built the world based on that. And they, they fully intend to reverse that and to take it over. So we have to understand the CCP of what they are. They also are a 1.4 billion uh, population that we have to, to understand. We also have to understand that we're funding their economy every time we buy, invest, and so on. So we have to understand exactly what they are. We need laws to say you cannot invest in China. We're, we have to stop this continual feed of money to, to build this, this anti-American regime and anti-free world regime and to enable them even further, even though it's, it's become very, very difficult now. You can't invest, you can't share technology, you can't uh, do many, many of these things. So there needs to be a, a halt of specific trade, whether it's uh, advanced semiconductors, uh, whether it's artificial intelligence, quantum computing, those type of things. Um, and anything that, uh, you know, you have to understand, they are playing us. They've been playing us for decades. and. Uh, it's uh, and now the chairman Xi has basically has basically totalitarian power, 100% totalitarian power over 1.4 billion people, and the second largest economy that we helped fund and build and grow by sharing technology and allowing them to steal our technology in many of those cases. Casey, on your point about funding the Chinese regime, it seems one massive area often in the spotlight is Wall Street and the thrift savings plan that is for a lot of government employees, where I think over a trillion goes to China. So going forward, what would be some actionable steps that could actually lead to some change in that area? Uh, put in laws in place that uh, require divestiture over the next 90 days, the next 120 days. Divest of it, uh, even if you have to take a loss, but that's the mandate moving forward. And there's no new investment in any of these funds in anything China related. The more we squeeze the Chinese Communist Party, the more they're gonna be using proxies. And they're gonna be going through other companies, other, uh, you know, using American companies to, to subvert the laws. Uh, other countries to subvert the laws and so on. So the more you squeeze the CCP, the more they're going to do subversion on the other side. So it has to, the laws have to be written to the end result of stopping all funding going into China, or you'll, you'll face extremely severe penalty. Casey, right now, talking, turning to China, we're seeing a massive COVID outbreak happening there. There's changing rules in how they count COVID deaths. But then also on the world stage, you're seeing a more aggressive China with the current drills between China and Russia that just ended, the massive amount of air incursions into Taiwan's air space identification zone. What are the biggest areas to look out for in 2023 when it comes to the Chinese regime? The biggest thing is... Uh uh, 
as you mentioned, the uh, the Chinese incursions and the Chinese uh, CCP hybrid warfare, as well as military warfare against Taiwan. That's one to watch uh, specifically. And if that happens, and we think it will within the next 12 to 24 months, uh, that you need to think that it's going to continue to move on through the South China Sea and so on. Our our allied friends of Japan and Australia are are next in line, and we have to be prepared to support our allies as they have done with us in uh, in years past. So we're all one. We're all one free world together. And what you're seeing is a polarization between the free world and free world countries and totalitarian communist regimes. Um, even though Russia is no longer communist, it certainly is. It's got communist remnants and it's a totalitarian regime. You've got Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, Pakistan, and and the Taliban that are all aligned against the free world. And given all of that, then what what should the steps that the U.S. take? What what should that look like? We need to put laws in place where we stop enabling the Chinese Communist Party to destroy our way of life, our freedom, and our children's freedom. So we have to put those laws in place, and we have to get the left and the right together, and we have to understand that we're all in this together. And there isn't really a left side and a right side when you understand that we're all being manipulated on social media and in mainstream media manipulated by the Chinese Communist Party and the people in government, in our government, who are infiltrated and subverted. So we have to understand that those law, everybody needs to come together. Americans need to listen to our, our brothers and sisters on the other side of the table and say, how do we, you know, we're all united because we're Americans and we have children in the same country. How do we work together to solve this problem? This is World War III. And this information is 100% accurate. You know, we deal with this all day, every day for over a decade. So we, we kind of know what we're talking about. The issue is mainstream media doesn't, doesn't show this to the average American. And so when the average American sees this, they dismiss it as conspiracy theory. But when you see it all day, every day, as I mentioned, it's no longer conspiracy theory. It's, it's you realize that you're in the middle of World War III and it doesn't look like any war that we've ever had before in the past. To that point, expanding out of the U.S. a bit, you mentioned earlier supporting our allies in the region, say Japan or Australia, in the event of a Taiwan invasion. What would that support look like? Would it be putting troops there, more cooperation? How would that pan out? Well, it's already begun with uh, the AUKUS um, uh, alliance which uh, brings uh, nuclear capability through submarines to the southern hemisphere that we don't have currently, the, the free world doesn't have currently. You have to understand the Chinese Communist Party is building up their military and the free world has to build up a military to to match that, uh, that military that, by the way, that we are funding. So yes, Australia, New Zealand, uh, folks of uh, our, our allies in the Southern Hemisphere all have to be supported with that. So number one, I, I would like to see military, or we need to have, and I'd like to see military support. It's already begun with the AUKUS program, but expand AUKUS to other support. Taiwan should be part of that as well, continuing that we've had supported Taiwan, but we need to ramp up the scale of support to Taiwan uh, in advance, as opposed to an afterthought like we did with, uh, with Ukraine. Uh, so, uh, and financial support, if it requires that piece of it as well. So it's military, financial, and uh, whatever else needs to, to happen to, to, to match and defeat this adversary who, like I said, is hell-bent on defeating the United States and the free world. Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you. Thank you for having me.
That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Ellie Hart. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the rest of your week. The greatest threat facing the United States is the CCP. The Epic Times investigation team had studied the CCP for years, but what we uncovered was yielding evidence beyond our imagination. With Chairman Mao, with the Prime Minister, our talks have been characterized by frankness. The Clinton administration said, oh, don't worry about it. This will be a poison pill for China. China's strategic goal is to make sure that the U.S. has four enemies, and one of them must be a terrorist group. We are giving of our life's blood so that the Chinese Communist Party can survive and thrive.